Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, I'm Nicholas Gordon, host of the Asian Review of Books podcast, done in collaboration with the New Books Network. In this podcast, we interview fiction and nonfiction authors working in, around, and about the Asia-Pacific region. Dismissal is the default response to Kayal, the preeminent genre of North Indian classical music, well before we get to know what Kayal is and vaguely term its strangeness, classical music. Those who later become acquainted with its extraordinary melodiousness forget that on the initial encounter it had sounded unmelodious. These words are part of the introduction to Amit Chowdhury's newest book, Finding the Raga, an improvisation on Indian music, published earlier this year by New York Review Books. The book is part guide to Indian music, part memoir of Chowdhury's life, part examination of modern culture. Amit Chowdhury is the author of seven novels, several collections of short stories, poetry, and essays, one nonfiction work, and a critical study of D.H. Lawrence's poetry. He has received the Commonwealth Writers' Prize, the Betty Trask Award, the Encore Prize, the LA Times Book Prize, and the Sahitya Academy Award, among other accolades. He is also a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature and holds the titles of Professor of Contemporary Literature at the University of East Anglia in England and Professor of Creative Writing at Ashoka University in India. In addition to his writing, he is also a singer in the North Indian classical tradition and a composer and performer in a project that brings together the raga, blues, and jazz with a variety of other musical traditions. Today, I'll ask Ahmed to explain what makes Indian music so special, both in general and to his life. We'll explore how Indian music influenced the writing of this most recent book and how his musical experiences in India and abroad have affected how he sees the world. So, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Perhaps it's best to start with... Indian music. Could you perhaps describe what the, could describe the, the fundamentals of Indian classical music for our listeners? Um, so Indian music is, of course, a huge, um, very broad term. So I, I think, as you said towards the end, you're talking about classical music. And um, again, within classical music, uh, I mean, there are at least two major recognized traditions in India. The, the one that I kind of write about, the one that I'm a practitioner in, is North Indian classical music, but there is also the tradition of Carnatic music, uh, which is, uh, you know, practiced in the south of India. Um, so I'm not going to now be referring to Carnatic music. I'm going to be talking about North Indian classical music when I refer to Indian classical music. And, you know, those who know Indian music through instrumentalists like Ravi Shankar and Ali Akbar Khan, uh, you know, um, know, uh, know it through the North Indian classical tradition. Um, having said that, I mean, um, you know, I, I should confess that I myself uh, got to know uh, Indian class, North Indian classical music through these instrumentalists, uh, first and foremost, even prior to my discovering the, 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 the traditional vo- in vocal music and khayal, which is the primary modern uh, genre uh, of Indian classical vocal music. Before I, I became firstly interested and then won over by that 
particular form and began to want to sort of become a practitioner myself. Uh, I, I got to know Indian classical music, North Indian classical music through Ravi Shankar, through the sitar, Ali Akbar, uh, Akbar Khan, the Sarod. And, um, and that's partly because, you know, uh, um, in the 70s, uh, that's the, that, that was the primary form in which this music was known to the world, including India and the kind of India that I came from, which was Bombay, educated middle class or upper middle class. Um, you know, we lived at something of a distance from Indian classical music. So, in a sense, it came to us via the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, people of my generation and my background. I'm not talking about my parents over here. And because it came to us via the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, uh, what we heard first was the sitar and Ravi Shankar. Um, yeah, Nicholas, you wanted to say something. Well, I mean, th- perhaps, perhaps, maybe we can we can talk about, um, I guess your your long experience with Indian music throughout your life. Um, could you tell us more about 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 your history with Indian music as you related in the book? Yeah. Um, so, so as I as, as as I was saying, I mean, I I I discovered this music partly partly uh, through Ravi Shankar, Ali Akbar Khan. And and the inter- intermediaries there were George Harrison and uh, um, the Beatles, uh, etc., uh, um, uh, who we were listening to. And and I was playing the acoustic guitar. I was interested in pop and rock and then American folk music, uh, and and uh, and wrote songs myself and performed them. Um, at the age of sixteen. Uh, um, I was, uh, you know, um, my mother, who, who was a great singer of Tagore songs, and uh, uh, we were in Bombay, she was also singing Hindi devotionals called bhajans. Uh, in 1978, a new teacher to teach her these devotionals arrived in the house called Govind Prasad Jaipurwale, and... Um, he was besides a teacher uh, of various kinds of music, um, a great classical, North Indian classical musician himself. That North Indian classical training and temperament, uh, I think, informed everything he sang, including these devotionals. So I began to listen to these, uh, to these devotionals and the way he was teaching them to my mother, and I began to notice... Um, the kind of variations and the modulations which he brought to bear on his interpretation of the song. So the, 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 the songs weren't kind of just uh, straightforward interpretations, not that they'd ever been straightforward interpretations because there is a degree of modulation in any Indian singing, but in, in, uh, in Govindji's case, I called him Govindji, uh, the, the, the kind of instance of um, modulation of, 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 uh, of changing a phrase uh, of what is called, what, what we might call improvisation, uh, 
was just a kind of more uh, notable and frequent occurrence, the kind of restiveness that made him change phrases uh, from line to line musically. And I became fascinated with this and I was already opening my ears to Indian classical music. And you asked me earlier, what is Indian classical music? I would say at the basis of Indian classical music is the voice. And it's the voice which is capable of producing the subtlest of modulations, of, of, uh, of interpretations, uh, of changes. Uh, and and um, which, which is why even, even sitar players like Vilayat Khan uh, um, try to emulate the voice and create a style of pulling strings in in a way that 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 that, that produced very complicated and, and nuanced bent notes uh, and called it the gai ki ang or the singing style, a very complex style uh, of of pulling the string uh, sideways in order to create really very very subtle bent notes. Uh, um, of, of, of a high degree of complexity, uh, say, when compared to the bent notes produced by the blues guitar. Um, and, and, and this is because uh, the, 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 they were trying to, 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 to follow the modulations of the voice. Uh, even the bent note, notes in the blues guitar, I think, is trying to emulate uh, the, 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 the richness of blues singing. So that's one example you have over there in, 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 in African-American stroke, the Western tradition of, of, of the, the instrument trying to emulate the voice. But what I'm trying to say here is, here is here is a classical tradition based fundamentally on the voice. The voice it is that brings us uh, the two elements of the compositions that are explored in minute detail and uh, um, with, with, with full imaginative engagement uh, in this tradition. And those two, two elements are rag, rag being the arrangement of notes, a particular form of ascending, a, a particular arrangement of notes and descending. And sometimes the ascent, the, the ascent well, the ascent is never straightforward. You, you go up and you come down again and you go up again until you reach the upper tonic and then you come down again and the and the ascent and the descent might approach the same notes in different ways some notes may not be sung in the ascent some may not be sung in the de descent um, that is a rag i mean that's the that's that, that that might be a kind of not immediately comprehensible way but the only way i can think of in you know, of, of, of defining a rag in a couple of seconds, in a few seconds. Uh, and, and the other element of this music is tal, or tala, as it is spelled in English, tal, which, which means uh, rhythm, tempo, the time cycle. And over here basically means a variety of um, rhythmic time cycles, uh, to which the compositions and the, uh, uh, are, are set, and uh, which are also explored to a, a high degree of complexity, and improvised upon. Talas are also being improvised upon constantly, just as the raga is. That is, uh, the the melodic uh, and and uh, the 
the, the incarnation of notes that raga implies um, and the and the conceptual underpinnings of of that exploration are is as important as this time cycle which creates a kind of parameter creates restrictions and with restrictions possibilities of improvisation and departure and and uh, and this is at the core of indian classical music and the voice and its tonality bring these elements to us through through compositions and then come the other elements which which are there there alongside the vocalist tabla sarangi harmonium as as accompaniment and then of course there are the, the, there's a whole variety of instrumental music which uh, brings to this this domain uh, things that only a particular instrument can contributions that only a particular instru- instrument can bring to that particular domain to this domain so you you've had experience both in 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 the space of indian music and also in the space of western music i think the phrase um, lapsed Canadian singer-songwriter pops up a lot, both in your book and in um, and in descriptions in, in your bio, for example. Um, so you've operated in, in in both spaces, and your book's also filled with um, with I, I hesitate to call them comparisons, but you find well, but discussions of both the differences between Indian and Western music, but also their similarities. I note your there, there's the chapter on on the ah sound, which you point to in um, in in John Lennon singing. Um, the last chapter is about all the all your mishearings, where you are hearing the connections and the similarities between, um, say, Hendrix and Indian music. So I guess kind of I I wonder if you could talk a bit more about about your experience in both of these spaces and the differences that you saw, and also I guess maybe the the connections you you now see between these two spaces? Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, um, I, was, I was growing up, when I was very small, uh, I would have overheard Hindi film music, which itself is a very creative melange, or used to be, of, of uh, n- it is maybe not so any longer, but it's, it's one of the uh, great 20th century expressions of what is possible when various music Traditions come together to create a three or four minute song. I think it 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 sort of anticipates and in some ways uh, outshines some of the things that begin to take place in Western pop music after nineteen sixty seven with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Um, so I would have I would have overheard that, but because there would have been a class prejudice against Hindi film music at that time, uh, it wouldn't have really been a, a part of my daily life. So what music would have been part of my daily life? My mother's singing of the Tagore song, which was, which was, which was part of uh, 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 the, uh, one of the features of a Bengali, a polite Bengali society. Uh, however, since I was growing up in Bombay, which is in Maharashtra and not in Bengal, there would be a degree of distance from, from the Tagore song, which now I see as, as being a welcome distance, which allowed me to really value it later in life rather than have it as a kind of norm in my life, something that I was growing up with as a kind of almost as a, uh, a religious observance in my daily life. 
um, a secular but religious observance. Um, so, so I would have grown up with my mother's singing Tagore songs, but um, which itself, I have to say, is 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 a is an Indian response, a particularly characteristic Indian response that that prefigures many experiments in Hindi film music and other kinds of music, but a response to Western, Indian, other traditions coming together to create a song. It's, it's an extraordinary uh, uh, expression of that. Um, so, but since it was my mother who was singing it, I would have ignored it. Um, it's only later on, gradually, that I got to understand what my mother was doing, what her achievement was. But as a child, I obviously would have ignored it. Um, and um, at the age of six or seven or eight, uh, you know, I mean, at the age of six, maybe I would have heard The Sound of Music and My Fair Lady. I was much taken with, with, with those songs. Um, and um, a year later or so, uh, when a lifetime had passed, um, I would have heard The Who. Um, because my father bought a hi-fi uh, set, I think in 1969 or 70, I can't remember exactly when. Um, and um, we got a couple of complimentary records as uh, gifts alongside the purchase of the hi-fi set. And uh, one of them was the best of the hoop. So I, I, I remember listening to substitute and uh, I can see for miles uh, pictures of Lily. I also discovered from one of those complimentary records, I think uh, the Bee Gees, the early Bee Gees, whom uh, I liked a lot, uh, the, the, the falsetto singing disco Bee Gees were, were a great kind of were, were devastating blow to me when they came back together and, and sang Saturday Night Fever, the, the songs for Saturday Night Fever. Um, so that that would have been my initial sort of entry into the world of pop. And then the, the Beatles, of course, and then uh, around the age of um, 11 or 12, I would have wanted to learn the guitar. And I think what I did first was um, a friend of mine and I, my, this friend had a wonderful record collection. So we we listened to music together. We we argued over music. He also had this amazing en encyclopedia of pop called the Story of Pop. He had all kinds of goodies in his house. Um, so he used to live in a place called Breach Candy, uh, and in Breach Candy there was, I think, some some place called the Bombay School of Music. I can't even remember what it was called. But we both decided we'd go together and learn uh, how to play the guitar. Now, the thing about my friend is he loved uh, uh, music, but he wasn't actually very musical. Anyway, so he and I went off to this place uh, with our guitars. And uh, to my uh, dismay, I mean, uh, we, we, we had to start learning sheet music. That in itself wasn't a problem. But uh, um, uh, learning from sheet music meant learning from the, as a beginner how to read music. And um, among the first pieces that we were asked to learn up, as it were, was a piece called Likely Row. 
I don't know if you've heard this this piece, this song. So anyway, it went lightly low, lightly row, lightly row, and I think it, the, the notes were very simple. But we had to, which is why it was given to us, and we had to learn how to read music through lightly row. And from from a very nice teacher, I think called Bonnie De Costa. And I I remember being bored immediately from the whole kind of pointless exercise of having to learn how to read music in order to play lightly row. So the other thing that uh, um, worried me was that because of my laziness, I was having, and, and my resistance to lightly row, I was having trouble uh, picking up the, 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 the music uh, from, from, from that piece of sheet music. But my friend, who wasn't really musical, had learned it up, and he was making faster progress than I was. So here was my friend who was not very musical, but but he was learning how to play lightly row, uh, and and being able to play it simply by reading those notes on the page, while I were, was unable to. So I thought there's something wrong with this, and I withdrew, and then I began to informally learn how to play music from somebody who offered to teach me music via chords and songs songs that I wanted to sing. So I never learned how to read music uh, in the Western system. Um, and uh, I, I, of course, felt kind of relieved later on uh, uh, and almost vindicated to hear how few of the great pop musicians knew how to read music. That, that was a good alibi for me. And, uh, but I picked up the guitar very fast then. And then by the age of 16, I was uh, composing stuff, 15 or 16. And um, I never, I was never interested in Western classical music again because of my personal prejudices against the people who were listening to Western classical music in Bombay. Bear in mind that Bombay produced people like Zubin Mehta from the Parsi community in Western classical music and also uh, Freddie Balsara or Freddie Mercury in rock. Uh, but you know, I I I uh, I looked upon uh, the, the the people who claim to listen to Western classical music with pleasure with suspicion and prejudice, and therefore never listened to it myself. So my my grounding in uh, Western music was the rock tradition. But by the time I was fifteen or so, I was listening, I was immersing myself in Buffalo Springfield, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, and Joni Mitchell. Therefore, I say I was on my way to becoming a Canadian singer-songwriter. And it's through Neil Young, uh, Joni Mitchell, that, that I got my taste for a particular kind of unresolved uh, harmonic setting, a mood in, in music that was slightly hypnotic and trance-like with the kind of sustained fourth chords and, and the add ninth chords and Joni Mitchell's open tunings, which at that time I was not aware of. And then her, then her increasing uh, interest in complex tonalities and jazz. And, at, at, and it's at this time that I was also began in, in this increasing self-imposed isolation to listen to Western classical music, to Beethoven from an old 
kind of collection that my father had bought, but very, listened very little to, of Beethoven conducted, the symphonies conducted by Herbert von Karajan. And at this time, I was also beginning to listen to Indian classical music with greater attention to Govind Prasad Jaipurwale, to, to music that I was discovering by chance around me, including Marathi language programs, which at another time in my life I would never have deigned to listen to, but I was now listening to in order to listen to these musicians. So Sunday mornings, uh, you know, programs where these musicians would be interviewed and I heard Kishori Amonkar and Bhimsen Joshi on either consecutive Sundays or two Sundays apart, 10 o'clock in the morning on this program called Pratibha Ani Pratima, not able to understand a word of what they were saying in Marathi, so kind of deracinated we were in Bombay. I, I don't, I'm not using that word in a pejorative way, but just to describe the kind of life we were leading. So many of us, who, whether we speak Marathi or Hindi or English or not, leave our cocooned lives in different ways. So there I was, not able to understand Marathi, growing up in Bombay, but suddenly discovering this music, Indian classical music, and then through recordings. Um, at that time, I began to kind of understand that there was a difference in the way that Western classical music, uh, it had a different impact on me in the way I was conceiving of its relationship to the world. And Indian classical music had a different way of defining its and the listener's relationship to the world. This was the primary kind of contrast in my head at, the, at that time. So I'd like to maybe ask about um, talk about the book now. Um, you know, your the the book is subtitled and improvisation on Indian music, and I know I know authors oftentimes don't um, get to pick the title and subtitle of their book, or at least it's a it's a joint it's it's a joint venture. Um, but I thought if you could maybe explain why um, why you decided to call the book an improvisation. Um, are there elements of, I guess, an, an, an approach to creating something, the, the approaches to creating Indian music that you try to emulate in writing, finding the raga? Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, because my structures are always quite um, open-ended and loose, uh, and whether I, I'm writing fiction or non-fiction, I've been asked right from the beginning of my public life as a published writer, whether, especially by those who know that I'm also a musician, whether I am trying to sort of capture or approximate or borrow something from the structure of the rag in, in my writings. And I've always said, said no, because I have not done any such thing um, consciously. Over here, I think the subtitle, one possible subtitle could have been an essay on Indian music. Another possible subtitle could have been an, in, uh, well, another, the, the, the other possible subtitle was the one I chose, uh, an improvisation on Indian music. There could have been other subtitles too, but, you know, one was trying to sort of um, 
suggest to the reader and, and, and hint to them that this is not a manual on Indian classical music, nor is it an, a, a conventional introduction to Indian classical music. That if you come to the book thinking that you know, somebody is going to tell me stuff uh, introducing um, me as in a textbook or a manual to a particular musical system, uh, they, they are going to be disappointed because what they're going to come up against is a reflection and a critique and a thought process. So uh, what I'm trying to put down here is a thought process uh, or several thought processes. Um, and, um, and, and, and many of the discoveries are made in the, in the process of writing what I'm writing. Uh, it's not as if I have a set of things I already know that I then decide to write about, nor is it that I already know how to write about this particular set of things. Uh, the, 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 the writing sort of is an exploration of how one might be able to write about this. And this means over here, not only Indian classical music, but why I'm writing about Indian classical music. Why me? Um, and in what way answering that question, why and why me, can illuminate in certain ways this question of discovering this music, what it means, can illuminate these questions in a way that wouldn't be possible if I left that out. If I just pre pretended to be a kind of neutral commentator, I would not be able to go to those places that I am able to in this book. Um, uh, one thing I have said in the book where I do make a, 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 a sort of um, comparison between uh, what, what one does as a, a, a singer in the North Indian classical sing, uh, tradition and what I do as a writer, is this notion of improvisation being deferral. That is, to not, um, to not finish singing the rag in two minutes, but to amplify it, to revisit its each detail, its each, each one of its phrases uh, from a variety of perspectives to, to evade maybe Delineating its structure uh, immediately and be done with it, and in that e evasion, to 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 show uh, the possibility of imaginative rethinking, reworking, and beauty, to show how uh, what 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 might be seen as prevarication, to show how that is intended. How prevar prevarication is intended. Uh, as as an effect to create beauty, and uh, uh, and to show the, the the various ways in prevar in, in which prevarication is possible, in terms of evading the notes that you're supposed to sing, coming to them from oblique uh, sort of 
directions and then arriving at them. This is what uh, improvisation or uh, elaboration in khayal of a rag is all about. Um, so in that sense, in my writing too, I, 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 I don't think the, the, the basic structure is of interest to me or, or the basic theme or the basic content as much as uh, discovering ways in which arriving at this structure is is uh, uh, ways in which they are in which that's possible um, the, the, that process for me then becomes the book so in that sense yes I mean there, there, there might be a connection uh, with with the way one approaches Iraq but it's not something I'm trying to do consciously I think I have I have one more question for you, I think before before we we end our our conversation, um, if someone wanted to explore the 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 styles, the 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 things about 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 the Kayan, other Indian music um, that you discuss in your book, what should they look for? Where where should they look? Um, if they want to uh, uh, um, ex explore these. Uh, Things I've talked about is that what you're? Yes, yes, yes. If so, if 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 they want to to experience kind of the the um, the styles, the themes, the concepts you talk about in in your book in Indian in in Indian music, um, what are some things that they should look for? I mean, first, firstly, I mean they, they, they can uh, always they could always go to the uh, to, to YouTube and uh, look up some of the recordings. I'm sorry that I haven't provided a list of links or, or recordings to go to um, but uh, um, in in the book but but that is something that they could they could do I mean that, that there are there are those names over there they could begin by looking at the shorter briefer renditions uh, from the 78 rpm recordings where somebody's actually doing quite a bit in three minutes. To show what what Iraq can be and what a Kyal can be, um, and and through that they could also get a sense of tonality, timber, the texture of the voice, uh, that that makes uh, this singing so 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 absorbing, so beautiful. Um, I think they could also look at uh, Indian miniature paintings. Uh, um, you know, um, bring bring themselves into contact a little bit with that world uh, where where uh, where the universe and the world is 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 uh, and, and its cosmology are celebrated. Uh, whether it's in a in a painting. To do with an episode from the Ramayana, or it's a painting of a garden, or a woman, uh, or uh, or it's a more kind of it's an older kind of cosmology, uh, um, where uh, you know various gods and goddesses or or, or or spiritual experiences are being uh, uh, shown to 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 see that. 
and keep in conjunction the developments in modernism in cinema where nothing seems to ha be happening but a lot is happening in the in the films of Satyajit Ray or Abbas Kiarostami or or uh, go to post impressionism the beginnings of post impressionism in in Monet and look at how representation of uh, 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 of of themes are fading away in, into something else. Um, that that would create, I think, uh, the atmosphere that that uh, from which these these various innovations in music ha have arisen. Keep in mind that Indian classical music is old, but also it's new. Uh, a lot of what we are hearing now as Indian classical music are modernist innovations, especially this, these departures from easily recognizable, hummable forms. The strangeness of the music that I talk about is often the it's strange to Indians as well, to most Indians as well. It, these are the results of modernist innovations. So uh, put them in that context to, to come into contact with this, 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 this very kind of astonishing departure and aberration and, and opening up into uh, other ways of experiencing the world than the representational, the thematic. So with that, thank you for listening to our interview with Amit Chowdhury, author of Finding the Raga, an improvisation on Indian music. One actual final question. Uh, Amit, what's next for you, and where can people find your work? Um, my, 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 what's next for me? Uh, I'm trying to write a novel. Um, that's, that's the kind of feeble answer, uh, you know, that, that writers give. I'm I'm writing my next book. Um, so, um, which, but it's true as well, and and like most true answers, are boring. Uh, is boring, and and um, my work. Um, uh, hopefully some of the books are in bookshops uh, they're, they're online my music, a lot of it is up on YouTube uh, go to YouTube to listen to my uh, um, my Indian classical recordings over uh, two and a half decades or go uh, or, or my recordings in the experimental tradition, this is not fusion and found music uh, soon there will be stuff up from my radio broadcasts of, from those years when I was learning Indian music, but also I was still a Canadian singer, songwriter in the making. Uh, th those songs which I composed them at that time, uh, a couple of them are up on YouTube. More will be up soon as part of an album, I hope, uh, of radio broadcasts from that time. And um, some of, uh, of it is on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. You can find find it there as well well I, I look forward to hearing more about your about your next novel um, you can follow me Nicholas Gordon on Twitter at Nick R.I. Gordon that's N-I-C-K-R-I-G-O-R-D-O-N you can go to AsianReviewOfBooks.com to find other reviews essays interviews and excerpts follow on Facebook or on Twitter at Book Reviews Asia that's reviews plural and you can find countless other author interviews at the New Books Network at newbooksnetwork.com. We hope you subscribe to listen to the Asia Review Books podcast now on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. 
rate us, recommend us, share us with your friends. You want to support us continuing to interview those writing in, around, and about Asia. Stay tuned to learn more about who's coming up next on the show. But before then, thank you, Amit, for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye.